0: listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. So please do us a favour, listen in on your favourite podcast platform, hit like and subscribe, leave a comment and don't forget to tell your mates about us. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day everyone and welcome to our first birthday episode. On the road is turn one and we've got a bumper show together for you this week to celebrate. Mike has a great chat with a legend that is Rod Hanafy and a little later he's joined by Adam Gibson from NTI to take an in-depth look at technology and road transport from a truckie's eye view. In Something to Talk About, I look back over our first year together on the road. As always, we've got some great music with Stevie Wonder, Aaron Lewis and the Beatles. All of this and a whole lot more... So
1: let's get this show on the road. Yes, get over that.
2: Well, yeah, Yogi from Outback Truckers, and of course, Kendall Trucking and Co. I just want to say happy birthday to On the Road. On the Road podcast is one. Happy birthday to On the Roaders. On the Roaders, is that a thing? Have you all
1: worked it out? Are you On the Roaders? Happy birthday to the podcast. So many great topics covered over the year. Looking forward to next year. Tune in to on the road. Happy birthday celebrations. Take it
2: easy. This is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of trucking classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com
0: As Aaron Lewis says in this great trucking classic that smell of burning diesel fuel just tells me I'm back out on the road.
1: Pushing my ass right down that line And that smell of burning diesel fuel Just tells me that I'm back out on the road. I've got a full grown creeping up on my tail
3: got Rod Hannape with me, the President of the National Road Freighters Association. Now, over the course of the last week, everyone's aware, I'm sure, of protests and guys getting upset. In the midst of all that, the National Road Freighters Association, of which I'm a member proudly, have uh, put out six points to look at some issues that really do affect road transport in this country and probably the potential most six sensible ways to address those issues. So, Rod, how are you, mate? And we'll have a talk about these six issues, eh?
4: Good, mate. And look, I've I've been really lucky to be off the road during this, but everybody's out there and I'm feeling it and I'm certainly keeping contact. I've heard a lot of people with concerns, I hadn't heard any solutions, and I thought something's got to be put forward that is fair and balanced, and I hope that's what we've offered.
3: Mate, I'll tell you what, I've looked at these six points and talked to a few people about them, and, and some people are more concerned about some than others, but the whole six of them look to me like just common sense.
4: And you know the biggest problem with common sense, mate, it's not very common anymore. (laughs)
3: That's 100%, mate. So we just go through them. I mean, obviously, a large part of that protest we saw there last Monday was about COVID testing and the strain that that's putting on drivers. Your first point there is a seven-day testing regime with access to 24-7 testing and vaccination facilities. And then point two on that same issue is a national permit covering all the states and territories valid for 14 days that would mean one permit and that for everyone rather than the sheaf of permits people seem to have to cart around with them.
4: Well, mate, the first thing is um, everybody's happy to do their part and some people can comply with the three-day testing because it fits in with what they do. Others are really struggling to do that. Hmm. We've just seen examples where, yes, a couple of our people in the industry have been involved, but for what we've done for the last 18 months, What we've achieved with compliance and and not being involved generally shows that we are trying to do the right thing. But for those that struggle with the three days, I've suggested that we have a minimum of seven unless they provide those 24-7 testing sites on all major highways Mm. because the blokes that are trying to get there and simply can't or get done and then can't get through a border because they haven't got a result. Yep. Those impacts on top of everything else are making it really hard. The next part of that is we haven't been essential up till now. They finally included us as essential. Mm. So those who want to get the jab struggle even further to get it on top of all the testing. And if you're going to set up a 24-7 testing site, then the jab has to be available to those who want it because how do you then deal with the three days or every three days and then book in somewhere to get a test when you don't know where you're going to be tomorrow?
3: That's right. I mean, guys that are long-distance drivers that are doing that big triangle Brisbane-Adelaide-Melbourne or Brisbane-Sydney-Adelaide or...
4: And they get turned somewhere else. They go somewhere else tomorrow when they've got it all planned and it falls apart because they get there half an hour too late or they had to have a break. So those are the two critical things. One is we're happy with seven-day testing. We'll do our part, but you've got to make it easy for us to do it. Yep. We want you to offer the jab and make it available if we want it. And point two is we will apply. If blokes know that they can get a permit and this is what you require to get the permit, you have to have your COVID safe plan. You have to have your testing in place. But as you say, mate, and this is before I got out of this. I had a water paper an inch thick with all my permits from just running up and down Brisbane, Melbourne. Yeah. And what good are those permits? Well you turn up, they look at the date, they let you through. Yeah. Why can't we have a national permit system? And I've just had a discussion with someone who said it has been done. We have national licenses, yeah, yeah. we have national registration that yeah. each of the states recognise. We're asking for some balance that is achievable and workable. And we've shown we've done our part. We want the support to be able to do it properly and to be do it sufficiently and safely for our blokes on the road.
3: Well, it's not as if we're trying to set a precedent, is it? As you say, national licence, national registration, things that are recognised from state to state historically.
4: Mutual recognition was the term, that's right, yep.
3: I mean, it's not as if we're trying to set a permit. God, how much different can a no, permit and,
4: be? and we're not saying we don't want to do it at all. We're yeah. not saying we only want to do it every six months. We understand yep. there is a need to balance, and we are offering what I believe is a solution. Now, as I say, the blokes that have got to that point where they thought the protest was the only answer, Mm. we certainly don't support that. Mm. And I understand their frustration, but they haven't offered any solutions. Yeah. And I think these are workable and achievable.
3: Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I mean, blokes get pushed to the edge and sometimes they reach their limit. That limit's different for a lot of people.
4: Certainly is, mate. And look, we think more and more perhaps they're going to get that way. They're either going to say it's too hard to walk away. Yeah or we've only just recognized how important mental health is to our industry. We know our blokes are out there on their own, and what do we do? We dump a shitload more of responsibility and requirement and difficulty and all that on top of them and think, what, these blokes are just going to cope with that when they're already struggling with what they had?
3: Yeah, it is unbelievable the length that we're going to to try and comply and then, as you say, have to deal with being stuck on the side of the road for extra days because you don't have the right negative or the right test or the right piece of paper. Yes. It's not a lie to say I've fielded hundreds of phone calls from guys Mm. with these same issues, even guys now that are double-vaxxed and had God knows how many tests, and they're still getting caught up in this. Yeah. It's just too hard. It's beyond belief.
4: It's not workable for the future. Now, you know, we don't know whether this is going to finish next week, next month, next year. Yeah. We have to have something that's achievable Mm. and that we can continue to do our job. Now, I think as an industry, we've done a terrific job for the last 18 months. I really think we do. Yeah. I think we've shown that we're willing and trying to comply. Yeah, look, there's always a few that do the wrong thing or they've tried to cheat. Yeah. That happens in every walk of life. But overall... People have remained fed and clothed, and we have to keep that going Yes. because if we get too many that get to that point of no return and they start walking away, then do we want to be where Britain is now, where they simply can't fill their shelves at all? That's not going to help us all, and that is a point where, geez, I, I don't know how you recover from that. I really don't.
3: Yeah, well, the freight task is not getting any smaller, is it?
4: No, no, it's growing, mate. And we know that. And we've been doing the job really well. Mm. It's nice that we've got some public support. And I'm sure you've seen on Facebook and all of this, these people saying, we support the truckies. They support us until you block the highway and they're stuck there in behind them or something happens that they miss out. Mm. We don't want to lose that support. We certainly want to respect it. and, And we want them to understand what our job is. And Look, mate, I've had a mate that's saying for years, people don't see what we do. Yeah. They don't see that we deliver the milk that goes into the shop. They think it just appears by magic in the morning. Yeah. And it's a little bit the same with the associations. Yeah. People say, you know, and, and look, one bloke commented, oh, you've all been trying to solve this problem for years and nothing's changed. And he's right.
3: Yeah, he's 100%
4: correct. Yeah. But here's something, and that's what we've done. We've asked all the other associations to look at this with genuine intent And if we all got together and agreed on it, I think we have a real chance to improve things.
3: I agree. So we move on to point three, truck stops must be allowed to operate.
4: Not only that, we can't survive out there without a shower or a feed. Look, some blokes can feed themselves. If you're under Darwin, they're all set up to do that because there's not enough roadhouses. But you need somewhere to sit down. You need somewhere for a shower or a feed. And the other side of that, mate, is these companies that we work for, you're allowed to go in there and carry their freight so they can make a profit, hmm. but you're not allowed to use their toilets. Yeah. Now, that's not fair and reasonable. Where everybody would say, you leave me the wipes, mate, I'll wipe the seat before I use it. I'll wipe the seat because I don't, because I need to use the toilet. Yeah. No one's got a problem with doing that. That's not going to kill them to do that. Yeah. But to turn around and say, you simply can't use our toilets while you're here for the next four hours. Yeah mate, that's going to lead to bikes doing the wrong thing and we don't want that. Yes. And we had a national protocol for roadhouses 18 months ago. We did. They were all sorted. They were signed. You did your distancing. How can they come along and turn around and shut them all down again and we've got to do it all again? That's just
3: ridiculous. Yeah. And then Mick Fuller went ahead and made his statement sort of basically denied that there was ever a problem. I sat back and just read that with amazement. Yep, yep. The moratorium on non-road safety-related work diary fines, point four, mate. I think you're onto something there like that. It's a hell of a lot more relaxing driving over here in the West than it is on the East Coast, I can assure you.
4: And, mate, you've seen Stirl's inquiries come out. Yes. Now, now there are some valid points in that, but that's not going to happen tomorrow.
3: That's right. Our
4: heavy vehicle national law is under review. And a lot of people have contributed to that. And we would like to think that there will be some improvements, but that's not going to happen tomorrow either. Mm. And what we are doing, we are putting those drivers who are already under stress, trying to comply with everything else. And because there's so little other traffic out there, and we are talking about the police who have every right to police road law. Yes. But they're not all trained to the same level as traffic inspectors, NHVR officers. Yeah. In HVR, and I will give them absolute credit for this, mate, they are saying that enforcement on the side of the road is initially about education and then enforcement. Yep. So you make a mistake, they'll guide you, do the same thing a couple of times, well, then you're trying to cheat and, and you'll get punished for it.
3: And rightfully so.
4: Exactly right. But there is no overarching control of a similar thing with the police. Now, I've written to every police commissioner in Australia The only one who has responded so far directly to me is the Northern Territory Minister. And he said, well, I don't think you've got a problem up here. And he's probably quite right. New South Wales did put me onto the task force and I've had a long discussion with them. And even the gentleman I spoke with there said, I can see your point of view. Hmm. So what I'm asking for is a moratorium on things that are not related to road safety and that any offences issued by police under the Heavy Vehicle National Law which is meant to be controlled and monitored by the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator, that those offences must go through the NHVR before they are actioned to give us a fair and reasoned
3: ask for review. Absolutely. I'm talking with Rod Hannafie, President of the National Road Freighters Association. We're just gonna take a minute for a break. We'll be right back.
0: There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page.
3: All right. So back again with Rod Hannafy, And Rod, we've got the last two points that we need to sort of really look at, the National Road Standard and the National Heavy Vehicle Rest Area Strategy. I was under the misguided belief that those things existed already.
4: <laughs> well, mate, the one thing I'd say before we go on is that those first four aren't going to cost the government any money. That's right. They're all achievable. with a little bit of work and effort. We can achieve them without no real cost. Now, To get a national road standard, we have different standards in each state, Hmm. and you know what the roads are like. You've been on both sides. Yes. Last time I travelled across the Nullarbor, I found one bump that activated the system in the truck. Now, my truck reads the impact of the road into the truck and records how bad the bumps are. It's
3: not a bad track over there west of Port Augusta, mate.
4: It's not bad at all, and yet I can run from Windy to Moree and have the thing operate 50 times. Yeah. Now, that's not a national standard. That impacts on our health. It impacts on the cost and wear and tear on our vehicles. It increases our fatigue. And if there was proper investigation of truck accidents, has been asked for many years, mm. that looked at not just Fred Merck did the wrong thing and let's put him in jail. Well, what happened to this? Was there a contributing factor? Yeah. Did the road contribute? And a lot of the times it has an impact. Yep. Nothing is ever simply someone made one mistake. There's a number of factors that contribute to those things. If we had a national road standard, in the longer term, we would save lives. Yes. We would make the road safer, not just for truckies, but for every motorist. And if it's done properly in the first place, mate, you've seen it as much as I. I've seen repairs done today that have failed the following day mm. and have been done three months down the track. I've seen brand new roads fail in months because they weren't done properly in the first place. And we then pay again and again, and I believe we are not getting good value at the moment, so we need national standard that not only means they're built up and maintained, but they're repaired to that standard within a reasonable time frame so that someone in their car doesn't bump the CD player and go straight into the truck coming the other way, and then we get blamed for a fatality that had nothing to do with us.
3: Yeah. Well, we all know the statistics on that, don't we? Yep. But The National Heavy Vehicle Rest Area Strategy. Now... As I said, I'd like to think that that was already in place, but it turns out that it's not. I mean, you've only got to look at Gatton to see how badly some of this stuff can be managed.
4: And we do have national rest area design guidelines, yep. but that's what they are. They are guidelines. Yeah. There is no requirement. And a perfect example, mate, is the Toowoomba Range crossing. Yes. 26 kilometres of road. They spent millions of dollars, said it was the eighth wonder of the world. There are a couple of stopping bays, and yet there's a 1,000 acres there where you could have had one spot for a truck bay. If you're a bit tired coming into Brisbane or you've been into Brisbane and want to come out and get somewhere decent, as you say, you can't even go to the Gat Pads. The two servos that are available, you can get three trucks in, and what do you do from there? So yeah. we need a national strategy that looks at the amount of traffic because we know that that affects what what they're going to spend. Yeah. We can do this in an interim way, and look, you know, I push the green reflectors. That's a simple, cheap thing. We can do that as an interim. Yes. So that somewhere down the track, yes, we need some money in the rest areas, but they're not just for us. Yeah. They are for all road users, but we are the ones that have to manage our fatigue. And if you can't get decent sleep because it's badly designed or it's in the wrong place or there's no toilet for you to have a decent break while you're there then we are putting truck drivers at risk and sending them back out on the highway when if we have a proper standard that is maintained, is national and is strategised. So here is a big gap. Geez, we need one there. We talk to truck drivers. Where do you need one? Why? What do we need? We could do something that will solve and make truckies safer for the rest of our lifetimes.
3: That's exactly right. And the way you've made that argument out just then is the way the majority of us that are actually on the road feel about it. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to get through to the people that sign off on the designs and the work.
4: No. And we're aware of this big money. Like, you know, they, they say now it costs you a million dollars to build a rest area. Yep. We don't want Taj Mahals. Yeah. We don't want gold-plated bidets every 100 kilometers. Hmm. We want a suitable place that we can get good sleep. We might need some shade. It would be nice to have a toilet and a shower. Yeah. But they've got to be in the right place. And you've got to consider, Australia tends to get rather
3: warm in the summer, mate. It does, indeed.
4: Now, for some of us that have got ice packs, that's really good, but not everybody has them. And shade is a critical part that we've ignored up to now.
3: Well, the other part of the problem is, too, is a lot of places, if you stop, I think there was a bit of video there on social media the other day, where one of our lady trucking friends stopped in a parking area and set her ice pack running so she could warm her tea up and she was attacked verbally by some local resident because she had the ice pack running.
4: Yes, I only spoke with her a little while ago, actually. She was telling me all about it. (laughs) And look, that's it. We are not recognised for what we do. And to be fair, the people that we deal with, They make our laws and they police them, Mm. but they don't have to live by them. Yes. They don't live in trucks on the highway. Yes. And all we ask is that people recognise that without those trucks delivering your food, your fuel, parts for your car, your clothes, you don't have the life that you lead now. And we're prepared to do our part and deliver it for you. All we want is a fair go to be able to do it safely and to get through this, whatever it is you want to call it, this virus like everybody else.
3: Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of truck drivers would be vastly improved if the idea that's been proposed by myself and many others was to give us a little bit of extra length in the cab and a little bit of extra weight over the steer so that we can have a, a longer wheelbase and put some facilities in the cab. At least then you've got the option if you're an owner driver or a company that likes your drivers to give blokes the facilities that they don't need to have them built on the side of the road. The drivers can have them in their cab.
4: Well, that's it, mate. Blokes that run to Darwin and Perth, the facilities can be a bit limited, particularly out to Darwin. Mm. Some blokes can do their own cooking and they have the time and the capacity. Some blokes, the odd one, even has his own shower. Yeah. But that can fail. You can run out of gas, your fridge can die, and you still need a meal. And that's why the roadhouses have to be there. And look, to those ones that have stayed by us, we really thank them. Yeah. And we want to support them because we want them there in the future whether it's just to go in and get a cup of tea and sit down and have a break or whether it's for a meal and use a shower.
3: Yeah, life has to go on, mate. We've got to get back into it. I've kept you for a lot longer than I said I was going to. (laughs) Thanks for giving me the time, Rod. I really do appreciate you coming on the show and having a chat. I would encourage anyone that's listening to the show to look at the NRFA and what they've got to offer. I joined up a while ago now and I see what you guys are doing and I'm very, very happy to be a part of it. And thanks for coming on the show, mate.
4: Mate, we appreciate the support and we welcome comment on the six points. As I say, mate, if every other industry association and group agreed with it in its intent, then we're happy to stand beside them and see something change.
3: And I'd be happy to see it as well, mate.
4: All the best, mate. Safe travelling to all.
3: Good on you.
2: This is James Graham, editor of the Big Rigs newspaper. A big birthday shout out to Mike and all the team at On The Road, our favourite trucking podcast. Keep on trucking, guys.
0: If you need signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost-efficient large-format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility, which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers, and graphics and ship them to you. For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at the visit the Stickershed Facebook page, or call Brett on 0412 105 151. The Stickershed, their business is making your business look great. Denny calling in on behalf of the nation's female truckies to wish on the road a very happy first birthday. Thanks Mike and Andy for the laughs, the music and the interesting lineup of industry interviews. We're looking forward to another year of great listening. Happy birthday
1: from us all. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. you doing, just smile and tell
0: them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries, and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well.
2: Welcome back. Adam from NTI here. Today I'll be chatting with a good friend of mine and a regular guest on this show, the wonderful Mike Williams. (laughs) Welcome on board, Mike. I've been hijacked. (laughs) I thought we'd flip the tables today, Mike. All right. I know I'm often here sharing my expertise, but today I want to pick your brains to talk about a topic where you're the expert, not me. Right, I want to talk about what it's like having fatigue technologies, a driver monitoring system, something like Seeing Machines or one of the competitors introduced into your space as a driver. So yeah, I want to have a quick chat about that and see what insights you can provide from your experience.
3: All right. No worries, mate. No worries at all. So you probably do know that I was extremely unhappy about it right at the start.
2: <laughs> Can we go back? Tell us about the job you had when you first came across seeing machines. Well,
3: I was driving. Uh... Actually, let's let's back it up a bit there, Mike. How
2: about you tell me about the job you were doing when you first came across fatigue monitoring technology?
3: Well, I was driving bulk tankers, carting class eight dangerous goods, and there was a brief discussion about fatigue monitoring technology and. We all sort of brushed it off and that's where I was. And before I knew what was going on, this thing was on the dashboard and was going off at me and buzzing the seat and I was extremely unhappy about all that.
2: So why as a driver might you push back against this technology? Like, How did it make you feel having it turn up in your truck?
3: Well, I was 57 years old. I've got more than 20 years experience. I've never stuck one on its lid like from being sleepy. In fact, I've never stuck one on its lid, so... I hope you're touching wood while you're saying that, Mike. I I am, mate, I am. Look, I've had my share of close calls like anyone else. I've been driving down the road and can't remember the last 20Ks and thinking, gee, where's the parking bay? Three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm a bit doughy and all that sort of thing. But... Never really sort of had any drama and I didn't think the technology applied to me. I really didn't think it was something that needed to be in my cab. It wasn't going to improve what I did. It was just big brother looking at me. That was what pissed me off more than anything.
2: Like what was your relationship like with this employer before they rolled it out?
3: Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I, I had no problems. I enjoyed working there and to be perfectly frank, but for the life choices that I've made with Rose, I'd still be working there. I was fortunate enough really that the bloke I was working for was happy to let me go on the journey to discover what I needed to learn to make me comfortable. You valued me enough to let me do that. I appreciate that and still do.
2: I'll get to the, what they got right a little later. But I'll have a bit of a pick first. Looking back, hmm. what did they get wrong in how they rolled the tech out? Because I think that informs what they could do differently.
3: Yeah, well, it arrived in the trucks without any education really. There was a discussion that it was going to happen, and the next thing you know, it was there. We weren't told how it worked. We'd managed to digest all the myth about it that there is about, and there's plenty of that. And of course, then there was the whole, I didn't need this. I've been driving for long enough incident-free that I don't need to have Big Brother looking at the cab at me, you know. That was probably part of it. So having it arrive in the cab with no education about what it was, how it worked, what it would actually do, what its limitations were, or anything like that, that really did color the view of it when it arrived.
2: So you said that you know, some of these myths around what the tech was and wasn't doing started bouncing around inside the business. Hmm. Was there clarity over who you should be asking and who you should be talking to in the business around
3: those myths? Like, was there a point of contact they'd given you? Well, there was, as talk to the boss. But the thing about it was, was that I wasn't the only one within the fleet who were having the same issues with it. hmm The workforce is, you know, a mix of older and younger drivers, but there are a lot of older ones. And there were plenty of emails flying around and angry phone calls to the point where people were, you know, stamping their foot on the ground and throwing the toys out of the cot. And I was one of those. hmm and to be perfectly frank, I think the boss sort of lost his sense of humor there at one point and said, well, if you don't like it, you know, uh-huh. we've got to do this, we're trying to do it. But having said that, fortunately, we worked our way through things. And well, as you know, I went on the journey with Guardian and they ended up helping me get the show on the road. So
2: so yeah, if we flip
3: it then, mm-hmm. what would your top
2: three tips be for a business that's looking to roll out this tech? How do they get it right?
3: they have a conversation with their drivers first and they explain the need for the technology, why they're doing it, what they're going to gain from it as a driver and as a fleet and try to have them understand that it's not about checking what they're up to or anything like that. It's about giving them a tool which can look at what's really going on in the cab as far as inattention or distraction or fatigue and do their best to try and make things safer for everyone, both the driver and the general public. It's all about safety.
2: Now, putting a different hat on here, Mike, mm. let's say you were, uh, particularly with your experience yep. now, let's say you were a driver in a different fleet Yep. and they were starting to roll out or they were talking about rolling, or mm. they're midway through rolling out uh, fatigue monitoring technology like Seeing Machines Guardian. Mm-hmm but it's not shaping up to go well. Hmm. You know, they're starting down the track of the sort of experience you had. Yep. What would your advice be to a driver around how they could influence it to make the rollout smoother?
3: Well... There are several things to that. I mean, that's not a simple question, mate, Mm. because there's a whole lot to do with interpersonal relationships and all the rest of it that comes into play. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was with a company now and starting work with them today and they were talking about rolling this technology out and it was part of the interview process, look, we're going to be doing this, you know, then I might be inclined to say to them, have they got an education program in place to educate the drivers before they do it mm-hmm. and pointing out the issues that I had. But that's just me. I'm, I'm a Ford, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I can say that and feel comfortable, you know. Mm-hmm. See, the problem with it is, mate, is that I think that there are a lot of drivers around now, regardless of how they feel about it personally, there are guys out there that are just going to say, well, you know, this is the way it is. I've got to earn the money and these guys are going to do this and I'll deal with whatever fallout there may or may not be. And there are other guys that are dead set against it and they'll keep jumping ship and going somewhere that doesn't have it so that they can avoid it for as long as possible. I've had conversations with guys and you know I've written about this and you know I've had feedback from listeners and they've actually said to me, it's all bullshit, we don't need this, it's just big brother and they won't be told and they won't change their mind. I've got no idea what you do for those people, I really don't know.
2: Yeah, it's a tough one. For me, I know what we see through our serious truck crashes. Yeah. And we've talked about this before, that fatigue is the largest single cause of truck crashes where truck drivers lose their lives. Yeah. And that's been true for a lot of years. Yep. In my view, we can't keep doing what we're doing. Oh, no, we can't. It's not a silver bullet. Yeah. The important thing is that drivers have access to sufficient quantity and quality of sleep yep. and are empowered to feel comfortable stopping driving when they feel they shouldn't be driving. Yep. But yeah, this tech is an important backup in my view. Mm. Looking back into getting the rollout right. Yeah. Is there any advice around how it's set up in the truck that you'd like to share?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. The company I was working for were really good about this. They put it in the 909 I was driving, and the tech had mounted it up against the A-pillar. And unfortunately, where it was mounted, the little red glowy light, and it was sort of right in my eye line. And at nighttime, when you're driving the truck, it sort of kept drawing your eye to this bloody sensor, you know? It was driving me mental. And I pointed this out, and they actually moved the head unit to a different location and put it horizontally on the dashboard, and it sort of moulded into the dash then and moulded into the monitor of the truck, and it wasn't anywhere near as distracting as it was mounted up against the A-pillar, and it didn't vibrate as much, so it sort of knocked out a lot of the false positives it was generating. Uh So the actual tuning of the machine and the setting it up so that the drivers are more comfortable with it I think is critical because it makes the technology less intrusive. And when you're looking at this technology, you want it to do the job that it's there to do. Not frustrate the driver, but just help the driver and be used as a tool. And that's probably the next most important thing. Somehow or another, reassuring your drivers that you're not going to use it to give them the boot. Uh You're going to use it to educate and to keep people safe. That's what it's all about. When I asked Murray Lay that question, he said to me that it cost him 20 grand to put someone in the seat of a quad. He runs these seeing machines and the last thing he wants to do is fire someone because it costs him too much money to get good people. Uh-huh. So when the technology is there to be used and used in the right way, there's a great result, but that comes down to the company and what they're doing and the drivers have to have faith that that's what it's about, not something else.
2: Is there anything else that the companies should be considering to reduce the impact, particularly
3: of false alerts, on on their drivers? Yeah, there is. There's lots of things that you can do. Some of these companies, I think, deal with this in a plug-and-play sort of a way, and they treat it more as a a truck upgrade. That's the classic silver bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the panacea. It's the one thing that's going to fix everything. Mm -hmm. There are companies out there that the truck will roll into the workshop, and the tech that's there will see the truck there, and he'll go and install the technology and his job's done and it's treated more like an IT upgrade rather than a safety feature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, that's just the wrong approach right from the start. And if that's the attitude that's happening, then you're going to get drivers' backs up because it's not an IT upgrade according to them. Mm. <laughs> you know? So we need to consider that. And then the adjustment of the technology afterwards, which is what the company I was working for got so right, worked with the drivers and got things right reduced the number of alarms that they were getting and the drivers became more comfortable because it wasn't going off on them all the time. Get the drivers and have a look at the videos and have a talk about it.
2: Yeah, I'd be interested to hear your advice on that. Uh, Like the first time that you get called in because they've got a video, (laughs) my greatest concern is always those micro sleep events.
3: Yeah.
2: What's your advice to a driver the first time he sits down with his depot manager or compliance manager to watch that video?
3: Well, I've been in that meeting, (laughs) and uh, I was quite fortunate. I got an email, I said, you know, we need to talk. I was a little bit shocked, and so, oh, well, we need to talk, and let's get it off our chest. Let's get in there, and they'll tell me I need to improve, or I'll tell them to shove it, one or the other, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. I went into the meeting and had a look, and they said, look, Mick, we've got all these videos, and squinting your eyes and giving it the bird is not helping. (laughs) (laughs) So let's have a look and see what you're doing. I had no idea how much time I spend driving with my mouth open. Uh (laughs) That, That was the first thing. But all of these little pieces of information were there, and we looked at the 30 or 40 unit things. Because I'd made my mind up I was not going to change the suit this thing. It was going to be what it was going to be. You know, We were going to let the chips fall where they may. Uh-huh. And so I sat there for 30 minutes with our HR safety officer and with the boss, and we looked at the videos. And I discovered that when I'm talking to people on the phone on hands-free driving down the road, I tend to look up to the right. Uh And I squint an eye, and of course the machine thinks I'm having a moment, and it sets the alarm off. Uh I tended to look down the side of the trailers probably a little bit longer than I should have sometimes.
2: That's what I want to pick at there. Mm. It goes back to what we were saying about tuning the tech. Yeah. I've got a lot of businesses that have done good stuff around tuning their fatigue monitoring tech around those big looks at the rearview mirror, particularly guys running road trains. Yep. Where they've got some particular sweeping bend, you know, some big long sweep where they can have a good look out the window and run their eyes down the side of their trailers. Yeah. Yeah, make sure that they haven't got a wheel end that's trailing smoke or anything like that. Yeah, And that's a prime opportunity to geofence that corner out and say, look, yeah, we're actually happy for you to look out the window there. It's a constant radius corner. You can set your arms up and sort of lock them in. Yeah, And five seconds looking out the window there is potentially going to stop you from losing a trailer in a fire or something along those lines. Yeah, And it's good risk management. Yeah, Yeah. Encourage people to have that discussion if that's the issue they're facing as a driver.
3: and this is the thing if you've got a crew of drivers and they're all telling people this is what we do on this corner we're not going crazy and I mean the management if they're really looking at what their messages are telling them and if they really know what they're looking at if they've got someone there that knows what they're looking at that's the most important thing then they will see that that's the issue and then all you've got to do is get on to people change the settings and it keeps everyone happier drivers included I suppose the other part about that is is to give drivers feedback, what's going on. And I suppose then it's on the drivers to accept that feedback with the intent that it's given rather than being chipped for being a naughty boy or a naughty girl. Mm-hmm. You know, it's feedback that's going to help you do your job better. Have you had a micro sleep picked up by seeing machines? No, never had one of those. But I have had plenty of distracted driving ones.
2: One thing I hear a lot from drivers early in the rollout of this tech Mm. is they are 100% certain that they didn't have a micro-sleep event. Manager calls them in and says they did. And they are digging their heels in, I know what happened. And then they watch the video. And there they are, sound asleep, (laughs) chin on their chest, eyes closed, head down until the seat vibrates and they're back up. I think that's worth Flagging that the whole point is you aren't awake, so you don't know that you were asleep.
3: This is true, as you've just pointed out. I know one guy that did have that exact experience, and he became a believer. <laughs> he was a, mm. he was an instant convert.
2: Those micro sleep events, where the system wakes you back up and gets you back in control of that truck, are the reason this tech is so important. I Agree. All right. Thanks a lot for the conversation, Mike. Fantastic having you on the show, and we might try to get you back in again in future. Good on
3: you, mate. I'll be back later. (laughs) See you, Mike. Thanks, buddy.
1: Hey, Andy. Hey, Mike. Just wanted to wish you guys a massive happy first birthday. I bet you wondered a year ago how this venture of yours was going to go and if it would last beyond a month or two. Well, here you are a year down the track, 52 episodes and still going strong congratulations on your success and may continue into the future. Happy birthday from all of us here at Trucking with Coon. That's me, myself and I. I'll rip the lid off a decent bottle of Aldi's Best and join in your celebrations from afar. Cheers to you.
0: On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rings, Australia's national road transport newspaper.
3: Happy birthday, Mike. Happy birthday, Andy. Who would have thunk it? A whole year. A whole year. They've been putting up with us for a whole year. Yeah. And not only have they been putting up with us, but they've been bringing their friends too. That's right, they have. Simon's been putting up with us at the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. Thanks very much, Simon. Yeah, absolutely. It's been absolutely wonderful. We've had some wonderful conversations and some wonderful sponsors, so I'm very proud of what we've done, actually. Yeah, me too.
0: And as we were just saying before, the good thing is that the whole year later... We still haven't even come close to running out of things to talk about, so we're looking good for at least another year. Yeah, but I'd talk the leg off a table, mate. Yeah, I've heard that.
3: <laughs> so, so not very tall.
0: <laughs> Being birthday-related, I, I just thought I'd share with you my wife on her last birthday. Yep. She hinted, and not very subtly, that she really would like me to get her a new sports car. <laughs> Righto. And in fact, in her exact words, she said, I want something that goes from naught to 100 in 2 seconds. Yep. Now, I couldn't afford the car, so I bought her a new set of bathroom scales instead. <laughs> oh, jeez.
3: <laughs> oh, no. You didn't. I don't know why she loves me, but she does. <laughs> I don't know how you're still breathing, to be honest with you. Me either. I had a bit of a chat with me mate Paddy the other day. Okay. My turn. Yeah. I had a chat with Matt the other day. Yeah. And his plumber said to him, why haven't you paid the bill for the work you did last Friday? Yeah. Paddy said, well, wasn't what you quoted. Pummer said, I didn't give you a quote. Paddy said, yes, you did. When I asked you if you could come, you said, yeah, you were free on Friday. (laughs) Oh, good. I've got to get in on the act, mate. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of your better (laughs) ones, too. (laughs) All right. News time, mate. Stop mucking around. Yeah,
0: here we go. Mate, we've just learned that Michael Deegan, the former chair of the National Transport
3: Commission, has been named as the new CEO of the Australian Tracking Association. We have indeed. The ATA believes Michael is the leader that we need to push ahead with the extensive work the AT&A and its members have done on the strategic plan. CEO Deegan is going to work with ATA members to refine and implement the plans the ATA has to get things right. Now, Mr. Deegan's been around all over the place in transport, started life as a heavy vehicle operator, so he's done a couple of things. Maybe he knows a few things, I, I, I don't know. Hmm. I haven't really followed his history very closely. I know he's been involved with PBS and a few other things. He's been a public administrator before. I think he's been in trouble there once or twice before anyway. People feel free to go to the bigrigs.com.au webpage and read the story. Hmm. And I'm sure if people are interested, they can find out much more about the man. Not sure if he's going to be the best appointment, but we'll see how he goes. Time will tell. It will. Mark, 70 new
0: inductees have been welcomed into the Shell Rumulan National Road Transport Wall of Fame recognising
3: the achievements of the road transport industry across Australia. They certainly have. Tell you what, mate, the Wall of Fame is one of those things that there are a lot of inductees up there. Some of our very good friends are inductees in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. It's up there in Alice Springs. For 20 years, Shell Rimula and the Road Transport Hall of Fame has supported this special occasion, and they continue their partnership and welcome all of the 2021 inductees. Once again, you can go to the webpage bigrigs.com.au and there's a whole list of them there. I'm not going to go and read them all out because we'll be here all day if we do that. Mm. But I congratulate them wholeheartedly on their induction and their contribution to the industry. Have we got a, an M. Williams in there somewhere, mate? No, mate, I never received a nomination. I've never tried to get one. Yeah. What's that noise? That's a bird outside. Oh, okay. <laughs> Noisy little bastard. Can you hear it? got a lovely song. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> this is what happens when you're trying to do your work in the wild, mate. Yeah, the natures of live podcasting. Mm, indeed. Hello, I'm Andrea Hamilton-Vaughan, Road Safety Officer for Orange and Cabonne Council. I'd like to take this opportunity to congratulate Mike Williams and the On The Road podcast team on the program's first anniversary. Well done. The program raises issues that
5: affect truck drivers throughout Australia and we all know to create a change we need to start a conversation. So happy anniversary and many more of them from the Orange and Cabon Road Safety Program and the Driver
3: Fatigue Foundation.
0: So the protest held on the Gold Coast on Monday didn't last for as long as the participants had hoped for, but according to our mate Tony Fulton from Tones Trucking Stories, the pro-choice vaccination message was still delivered as per plan.
3: Yeah, and look, I think Tony was right about that. Now, I had been in the position where I thought that nothing was going to go ahead there anywhere. I didn't think that anyone would have the dirty great big brass balls, for the want of a better description, that Tony had to put his truck and his business and his reputation and everything on the line and park it there. Mm. Tony's a friend of mine, as I've said, and while I'm not 100% sure that was the right way to go about it, I'm 100% sure that I do respect what he did and what he tried to do and the reasons why he did it. Mm. And to be perfectly honest, as I've said on several forums, I've been asked in several different conversations whether I would have been there. I said to Tony that I would have been standing there side by side with him. And anyone that knows me knows that if I say I'm going to do something, I go ahead and do it. So I would have been there. Mm. Why did they move on? They moved on because they were told that there were animals caught in the traffic behind them and they didn't want to put anyone or any animals at risk. Mm. And so they moved on. Ultimately, they ended up down at Chindera and the BP and had their banners out there. Tony's continued to you know roll the banner out wherever he goes and take some pictures. And I think that people are taking notice. Now, there has been word that there were several other attempts at different stoppages in other places, uh, particularly yesterday. Mm. I don't know what's become of that. Communications have been shut down a little bit. The issue's been brought to a head by a story that we'll get to shortly about what's going on with the jabs for interstate truckies and South Australia's position. So we'll move on to that shortly.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, mate, his aim was to get the message out there and regardless of whether there was two trucks or 2,000 trucks there, Mm. he got the message out, so good on him.
3: I have spoken to him since then and and I wanted to do another interview with him, Mm. but unfortunately he doesn't want to be interviewed about it at the moment. We'll get there eventually, I suppose, maybe we will get a conversation with him. But I certainly got the impression that there are a lot of guys who said they'd be there and didn't turn up. Mm. Like I've said before, a lot of guys walk the walk. Tony's one of them. Yep. Some blokes only talk to the talk. There's a lot of them. That's it. Well, there'll be more news on that as the dust
0: settles. As someone who travels the M1 quite frequently, there's always a lot of animals on the M1. They're <laughs> usually in about thirty-year-old Commodores with p plates on them. But that's a different story. <laughs> I think. Oh, true, mate, true. Yeah. Mate, this week the industry lost one of its staunchest lobbyists over many years with the passing of Labor Senator Alex Gallagher last Sunday.
3: Yeah, mate, he's been around for a long time. Yeah. And whether you agreed with his particular brand of politics or not, he was a great man in the industry. He was a dedicated TWU official and branch secretary, was the national president for a while, and he ended up joining the Senate and our nation's parliament he never forgot where he came from mm. and my memories of him are probably different to other people's, but at least you could always be sure that if he said something he was, you know, saying what he means. I think he mentored Glenn Stirl there for a while and mm. Glenn Stirl's certainly one of those blokes. They were great mates. My condolences to all of the Senator Gallagher's family. He was fighting the good fight and you know champion of common sense and fairness and you had to respect that in the man. Basically rest in peace. And mate, in our final story for the day, is something you touched on a little bit earlier. In a
0: surprise move, the recently announced September 24 deadline for truckies to have received a vaccination jab before they can enter South Australia has already been scrapped.
3: Yeah, and they are going to continue to be scrapped too. Mm. And I think that you know the role that Tony's protest played in that and the social media response to that and these required jabs... Mm as well as people like Steve Shearer from the South Australian Road Transport Association, to advocate the position of what this is actually going to mean. I mean, it's all very well to go ahead and say, you people have to have the jab and mandate that and flick a signature off on a piece of paper. Yeah. The reality of it is, and I think it's come to the attention of a lot of people, truck drivers, for one reason or another, don't want to, in general, have the vaccination. Mm. And we've been complying with all this rules, regulations, border permits and and everything for that long now. We really haven't had a lot of problems within the transport industry. People have done everything they can to comply. Mm. But I think that the realisation is that it doesn't matter if you agree with the jab or not, you can't stop. And I reckon it's a minimum of 15 to 20% of trucks crossing the borders. And when you think about the number of trucks that cross our borders every day, it's 3,000 a night between New South Wales and Victoria. It's not quite that number between Victoria and South Australia. But the amount of trucks that are running up and down our highways carting the essential freight every night, and the amount of tonnes of freight we cart and the kilometres we do, for the small number of issues that there may have been, I think we're doing a pretty good job. I honestly think that the government may be coming to realise that if they interfere with truck drivers too much, they will snap. Oh, yeah. And when you see someone like Tony put his truck on the line and park it on the side of the road, yep. and the level of support he's had on social media for doing it, I think that the government needs to realise that maybe it's time we just get on with it. But that's my personal opinion. I think you'll find most people are in agreement with that, mate. Yeah, so go to the bigrigs.com.au webpage and have a bit of a look, see what's happening. I think we do need to come to grips with the idea that there are people that are pushing this pretty hard. Yep. And for the time being, common sense has prevailed, but that doesn't mean that common sense will continue to prevail. No, that's right. I think it's wearing a bit thin. Oh, mate, it is wearing very, very thin. And if you look at what's going on over here in Western Australia... It's pretty easy to shut Western Australia out for the rest of the country. We've only got a couple of roads you need to block. No one's coming across the desert. Mm. We're in the fortunate position over here where we're pretty much isolated, as is Tasmania. It's easier to stop people going in and out of Tasmania. Yep. But unfortunately, New South Wales is a through state, and so is Victoria in a lot of ways. So you know they're always going to cop the brunt of these things. Yep. Unfortunately, it seems that some people can't assess the realities of what are going on on the ground. It's, it seems crazy to me. As Glenn and I said the other week, mate, we could probably solve the problems of this country in five minutes if we're allowed to have a free go, but I don't think some people like the answers. Yeah, for sure. All right, mate, well, I think that's pretty much us done for
0: this week. So again, on the birthday theme, here's my thoughts for the week. Righto. Always count your age by friends, not by years. Yes. Which makes me one. And that's assuming that you call yourself my friend.
3: (laughs) No, no, you're my friend, so we're at least one each.
0: Yeah, and and the second one, which I think is far more pertinent, as you get older, three things happen. Mm. The first is your memory goes, and I can't remember the other two.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Get off me, phone. You drive me crazy. Go on, go back to work. Cheers, mate. Happy birthday, buddy.
0: (laughs) For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au.
4: from the Atlas Balance Company, Mike and Andy. Gentlemen, congratulations one year on for the On The Road podcast. Thanks, boys.
3: Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you're interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you.
5: G'day everyone, Trevor here from The Driver's Advocate. So the On The Road podcast is having its first birthday. Well done, fellas. Happy birthday, Mike and Andy.
0: It's time for That's What You Think.
5: For some reason, the people seem to think they're getting sucked in to believe that the government has their best interest at heart, and that by giving up their liberties to uh, bow down and worship the government, that somehow things are gonna get easier or better for them. It's an absolute falsehood. But how can you, how can you make people see it? Because most of the time, they don't wanna know. If it's not what the politician said, If it's not what the chief medical officer said, they don't want to know. They don't want to know. And that's a big problem because we're going to get dragged down with people like that. So, I don't know, at the end of the day. i just put it all in God's hands and I know that he'll protect me. I'm not worried about a vaccine. I'm not getting it, though.
3: That's typical of some of the comments that I've been getting sent to me one bloke. I just thought I'd play that one because there's a lot of guys out there that don't want to do it.
4: G'day, this is Rod Hannafee, President of the National Road Freighters Association and I'd like to wish on the road a happy birthday. Thank them for the chance to get our message out to everybody. Safe travelling to
1: all.
0: G'day again, it's Andy here. Given it's our birthday, I wanted to share a few reflections on what we've achieved over this, our first year of the On The Road podcast. Mike and I have worked hard to bring you an entertaining and informative show over the past 52 weeks, and to be honest, we're truly proud of our show, and thrilled to bits with the support and feedback we've received from each and every one of you, our valued listeners. This show isn't just about the two of us, it belongs to us all, So thank you to the thousands of regular listeners who tune in each week and to the rapidly growing numbers of new on-the-roaders who continue to find the podcast and make it a part of their weekly routine. We believe we've got the best damn trucking podcast on the net and we know we've got the best listeners and supporters. So over the past 12 months, we've brought you no less than 90 great informative interviews with the who's who of the Aussie road transport industry. From everyday hard-working truckies to politicians, decision-makers and celebrities from the entertainment world, we've talked to them all. We've bought you in excess of a 100 wonderful songs from new Aussie bands right through to the top international artists, and we've given you a load of laughs with our regular comedy spots as well. Now, we couldn't have kept doing this week in, week out without our listeners and our great friends inside and outside the industry who've shared their expertise and their time so willingly and so selflessly. It's a huge thank you from Mike and I to our wonderful sponsors across the year. NTI, who've been with us as our major sponsor virtually from day one. Seeing Machines, The Sticker Shed, Pearlcraft, trucking Truckin' with Kermie, thank you so much to all of you. A major part of our success can be attributed to the tremendous support from Simon at the Big Rigs Radio Roadshow for playing our show every week for their huge online audience. Thanks, Simon. A big thank you is in order as well to James and all the team at the Big Rigs newspaper who've kept us up to date with all the latest industry news every week. To all of our guests and contributors who've given so freely of their time for interviews, thank you very much. We've loved having the time to talk with you and share your expertise and advice with our listeners. A special thank you has to go out to those individuals who've shown such faith in us and supported all that we've done right from the start. Trev, Yogi, Kermie, Glenn Stirl, Tones, Rod Hannafie. Man, it's hard to remember everyone. So if I've missed you in this list, I'm sorry. I'm getting on in years and sometimes my memory ain't what it used to be. It goes without saying that we truly appreciate everyone who's walked with us every step of the way as we've grown our show into what it is today. In the immortal words of Jeff Fenwick, we love you all. Cheers, guys. We'll see you on the road. Two eases on out from our special first birthday episode this week. Here's a birthday message from a new band coming out of Liverpool in England. It is, of course, the Beatles with birthday. That's our show for this week thanks for coming along for the ride on the road is proudly brought to you by nti australia's leading transport and logistics insurer be sure to join us again next week when mike says got off onto a different side
3: story but it really doesn't matter
0: and says tell me more and our guest says Hear ye. Hear ye. until we catch up with you again next week play nice with each other and most of all stay safe out there bye for now The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.